Hi, I'm Ryan Miner. I'm the host of a Minor Detail podcast where it's all about Maryland. We have a no-holds-barred conversation featuring Maryland newsmakers and newsbreakers, journalists, reporters, politicos, politicians, policy wonks, prognosticators, political activists, organizers, community leaders, and so many more. Man, that's a lot of peas. Here on a Minor Detail Podcast, we get to the bottom of every story. We talk about news and politics in an open and honest format. And we find the minor details because every detail matters. You can follow us on the web at a aminordetailpodcast.com and aminordetail.com for the latest Maryland news and politics. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. Happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome to a Minor Detail Podcast. I'm Ryan Miner. I'm your host, and I'm going to be with you for the next half hour, hour. Uh, tonight, we have a very special guest for the first time joining a Minor Detail Podcast, Maryland's Comptroller, Peter Francho, who will be joining us in just a moment. And so I'm going to talk to the Comptroller tonight all about his job, what he does, what that means as uh, Maryland's tax collector, um, and his key responsibilities, his upcoming priorities for session. In fact, there was an event that he held on Thursday evening in Baltimore, but we'll give him an opportunity to talk about that and explain just exactly what it is that the Maryland Comptroller does and uh, what his vision is for the future of Maryland and might ask him a few other questions that, and we're going to break some, I, I'd like to break some news tonight. That's always my goal with the minor detail is to, to break some news and uh, hopefully we'll do that. And we're just waiting for the comptroller to call in and I might have to ask him about the Ravens game. I don't know who his sports team is, but uh, <laughs> I will ask him about the, the Ravens day. I know the governor visited the, the Ravens today um, for their playoff game. Unfortunately, that did not go so well as we quickly discovered. But then again, I am a Steelers fan. So um, as a Steelers fan, we were knocked out. It's been an unhappy season for us. The coaching was pretty awful uh, this year. And But I try not to comment too much on football, um, given that I'm not by any means an expert. And I see all my friends today commenting about football and I just don't know a whole lot about it. Um, I watched the game. Um, I've played a little bit of it, but I wouldn't call myself anything spectacular. So again, we have uh, the Maryland comptroller who will be joining us uh, in just a moment. And so we are waiting for him to dial in at 646-716-5971. And so tonight I want to ask him about his reform on tap that um, he discussed um, that he's been out in the public with. This is a big issue, um, reforming Maryland's craft beer laws. And so uh, we're going to be doing that. And uh, this is going to be an interesting session upcoming. I am excited to announce that I am partnering with Maryland Reporter. Dot com And many of you are familiar with Maryland Reporter. 
Len Lazarick is the editor and publisher. And so we're going to do this podcast at Harry Brown's, which is right off of the state capitol, each Thursday at 7 o'clock p.m. And we're going to talk about all about politics. We're going to get some legislators on and get some committee chairmen. And I'm going to be roaming the halls of Annapolis and the State House. And so it's going to be a fun and very interesting year um, in a session. 90 days, it kicks off on January the 9th. And another, another event that I am involved in is this Wednesday, January the 9th at 7 o'clock p.m. at Chesapeake Brewing Company. Lynn Foxwell and I, and Lynn's been on the show many times, Lynn Foxwell and I will be doing a live broadcast of a minor detail podcast um, from Chesapeake Brewing Company at set from seven until nine. We're going to be talking all about this session. So that's going to be exciting. These live broadcasts are, are truly fun. They're really fun. And so we get a lot of out of it. People come on and we're going to record it. It'll be available for release. So yeah, we're excited about that. And uh, I'm using this new mic that my mother got me. Um, it's a uh, it's called a Shure SM7B for Christmas. I love it. The other day I interviewed um, Congressman John Delaney, um, the outgoing congressman from Maryland's 6th Congressional District. And so <laughs> I, I was interviewing him and uh, it's just the tone of this mic sounds so good. It's nice. It makes the difference when you do a podcast. If you have a, uh, a mic that is, uh, I wouldn't necessarily classify as it as expensive, but rather if you have a quality mic, the sound and tone comes through so nicely, and people like that. So again, we're waiting for Maryland Comptroller Peter Francho to join a minor detail podcast, and we're going to talk all about his responsibilities at the state level. He's been elected since 2007, and um, we are going to talk all about exactly what he does day to day. He's a busy man. He's all over the place, and the Comptroller has been involved in state politics just for, for many years, and uh, he could have some future plans. Who knows? Um, I'm hoping that uh, he shares um, what his future holds for him. So um, we're just waiting for him to call in at 646-716-5971. And I believe, Hello? Hello? I believe that is Maryland Comptroller Peter Franchot on the line. Right here. Comptroller, how are you tonight, sir? Is this Ryan? Yes, this is Ryan. Fabulous. And can you hear me okay? I can hear you perfectly, Comptroller. Well, welcome for the first time to a Minor Detail podcast. It's a pleasure having you, Comptroller, and I'm excited to talk to you tonight. Yeah, well, thank you for uh, the show. It's a uh, very popular one among some of the most expert uh, political minds I know in the state of Maryland, and uh, I'm delighted to uh, be able to call in and, uh, you know, toss some ideas back and forth with you, because uh, I think the minor detail, your show, is a real contribution to the state. Well, I appreciate that, especially coming from you. And that's what we try to do. We just have an honest conversation and it's an open, transparent format where anybody can come on and we can exchange ideas and, and just talk about what's happening in Maryland. So, Comptroller, my first question is a pretty one. It's a pretty maybe I'll easy get one. My wife, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll get my wife to call in. 
I'm okay. Just a joke, Brian. Okay. Get, so, get her to get her to call ahead. in. We'd love to talk to her. So, first question, first question: Did you watch the uh, Did you watch the Ravens game today? I watched a little bit of it, but it was so depressing when I was watching it that I had to uh, move on. I heard I hear they made it uh, a lot closer at the end, and I congratulate them for that. But I hear we lost. That's always <laughs> disappointing. Yeah, it. I don't mean to didn't... be. I don't mean you know. I'm 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 down here in Redskins uh, territory down in uh, <laughs> Montgomery County, and that's a miserable experience right now, also. So. I'm I'm looking forward to spring training. When does that start? I I, I believe it starts in what February, March. I don't know. I'm a I'm a Steelers yeah. oh, fan. Oh, by so. the way, uh, you're what? <laughs> I, what? I don't know if I should say this to the Maryland Comptroller, but I'm a Steelers fan. Oh my goodness! Well, you're you must be popular out in Gary County. <laughs> that's a, that's Steeler country out there, but uh, that's, that's right. seriously, uh, we do have one regional uh, athletic team of tremendous uh, prowess. Other than the uh, some of the collegiate teams, which are, which are terrific, uh, and that is the Washington Capitals, our hockey team down here. Oh yeah, in, uh, in the Washington area. I mean, this is just a fabulous team that's been put together, and uh, anyone that appreciates uh, professional sports should tune in. They're not doing particularly well right now, but they have, they're, I still think, in first place. But the point is, it's a tremendously entertaining uh, team that wins more than it loses, and uh, we need more of that in Maryland. But you asked about the Ravens. Hats off to them. Uh, the management, the ownership, the uh, folks that are uh, in the administrative positions in the team and the team itself are bring a lot of respect uh, to the state of Maryland and I wish them well in the future. I don't mean to say that I didn't watch every minute of the game. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you know, it's a good well, thing that you're an honest politician. Well, honesty is, uh, you know, no good deed goes, no, no honest deed goes unpunished these days. So here I am. Uh, what else do you want to talk about? Well, let's start at the very beginning. Comptroller, tell us about you. Let's talk about your career in Maryland politics, uh, your background. I always like to begin with, uh, you know, an anecdote about who I'm talking to and what it's all about. So give us a rundown of when you got your start in Maryland politics and uh, your your professional career as well through the years. Well, in 1985, I was working on Capitol Hill for a United States congressman from Massachusetts named Ed Markey. And he and I, uh, I happened to be his staff director and was lucky to have the position. And he and I did a lot of work on, on very important issues from nuclear proliferation to consumer protection. Uh, he was the leader and I was a, a staff person. Uh, and uh, I had an opportunity to think about running for the legislature in Maryland where I was living. And I uh, took that opportunity and won uh, in 1986. I was spent 20 years in the legislature on the Appropriations Committee and uh, then uh, threw my hat in the ring against uh, the Babe Ruth of Maryland politics, uh, former Governor Wayne Donald Schaefer, then the incumbent comptroller, and was lucky enough to beat him, got sworn in uh, in 1987, and uh, worked to serve the taxpayers and uh, protect the taxpayers and 
save the state money where possible, and I'm lucky enough to have just won my fourth uh, term as your comptroller. So uh, you- I have, I, I have, I, I'm one of those lucky people that has gotten the job that is perfect uh, uh, for me, and I'm very grateful to the voters of the state for recently giving me a big vote and, uh, you know, allowing me to continue what I'm doing. Comptroller, you have seen a lot in Maryland politics, and you mentioned that you were reelected to your fourth term, and I want to point out to everyone who is listening that you were elected by 1.6 million votes, more than any other statewide candidate in Maryland with 72% of the vote, that's nothing to shrug your shoulders at, Comptroller. That's a big margin. What was it, uh, you know, when you were watching the, in, uh, the results come in, what were you thinking? Clearly something is resonating with Maryland voters in both parties. Well, actually, it was 1,620,000 votes. And, yes, it was more votes than any Marylanders gotten in a state election uh, and more than any election uh state office, including the federal offices, except for uh, Chris Van Holland. So it was a resounding uh, amount of votes. And the way I look at the election, Ryan, is not that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, not, not so much through my lens, but I looked at it through Governor Hogan's uh, re-election and my re-election. He's a Republican. I'm a Democrat. But he obviously got hundreds of thousands of Democratic votes in order to win his reelection. And I obviously, to get to get to 1.62 million votes, I had hundreds of thousands of Republicans voting for me. I think that's a good thing to have both parties voting for a candidate because it implies that they are uh, looking at the candidate on the merits and not through a partisan lens. So uh, my, uh, I started out by saying I'm fortunate to be comptroller. I am, and uh, I've got support uh, from, the, uh, from the voters, even though it's an inherently unpopular position to be a tax collector. I try to <laughs> keep that on the de- down low. Of course, you have, you know, blown my cover tonight. So, <laughs> Well, that's a great foray into uh, the discussion. So people who are listening, and I get all kinds of people who listen to the show who aren't politically in tune with what is happening, and that's okay because um, I'm here to educate and to bring some real content. Comptroller, what does the job entail? What does it mean to be the comptroller? What are your responsibilities? What do you do on the daily, and what does your staff do for uh, the taxpayers of Maryland? Well, I have 1,100 people that work in the comptroller's office, and that's a, you know, it's a blessing to me that I get to lead them because they're, they obviously have worked for other comptrollers. They know what they're doing. They're professional, and uh, they're very good at their job. And the primary duty of the office is to uh, collect 3.2 million tax returns, uh, return tax refunds totaling $2 billion to 2 million Maryland families. And that's a big... Uh, technologically based operation and if it isn't done smoothly uh, each year uh, I could be an ex-controller very quickly so I place a lot of emphasis on respecting the taxpayers responding to the taxpayers getting good results for the taxpayers the staff that I have 
is just phenomenal in the way in which they handle these very complicated uh, efforts. In addition to collecting the taxes, I get to vote on all the big state contracts with Governor Hogan and uh, Treasurer Cop at the Board of Public Works. And this is a little-known uh, three-member panel in Maryland that meets every other Wednesday, uh, like clockwork, throughout the year. At each meeting, we vote on average $440 million in state mm-hmm. contracts. So that kind of uh, fiscal uh, situation where I am not only collecting uh, the money uh, and remitting, you know, collecting the taxes, uh, enforcing the taxes, uh, but also uh, voting on the, not the appropriation or the authorization to spend, but voting on the actual contracts themselves gives me a unique perch uh, from a fiscal standpoint to comment and uh, try to be a constructive force for good as far as the state's fiscal uh, health. So those are the primary responsibilities that I get to. I have an enforcement division. I regulate the state's petroleum and tobacco and alcohol laws. Uh, That also is a big uh, part of it. I have a a program called Unclaimed Property where, by law, any corporation uh, in Maryland that is holding on or is unable to locate Uh, a consumer recipient for the money that they owe them. It might be a reimbursement from a healthcare company, for example, or it might be a life insurance Mm -hmm. uh, policy. Any any money like that that companies cannot get to uh, the person that they believe uh, deserve, whom it's their money, it's a it's a legal theory, but after three years under state law, they have to so-called it's cheated e s c h e a t. They have to give it to me, and I hold it in perpetuity until we find the correct uh, recipient. And this unclaimed property, I'm currently I have a billion dollars in cash that I'm holding for Marylanders, and I seek to actively reunite. Uh, those Marylanders with uh, their money. It's their money. They just don't know it. And uh, that's a uh, something that I find a lot of satisfaction in because some states, they just sit on that money, spend it. The debt is there, but they never really find the people that uh, should be reimbursed. Yeah. What else um, do I do? I do all sorts of other things. I'm on a million panels like uh, uh, <laughs> debt debt affordability. We have the Bureau of Revenue Estimates, which is a very important uh, panel uh, body within our organization. Uh, and we work with the governor's office, the legislative uh, leaders and their staffs to come up with uh, collaborative uh, consensus revenue figures <laughs> in, in that we estimate. Uh, and that's what the governor and the legislature uses as its fixed amounts when they go into a legislative session. A lot of states have a Democratic estimate or a Republican estimate that contradict each other and clash, and there's a lot of confusion as to what exactly the fiscal uh, future of the state is as far as how to put the budget together. In Maryland, we have a different approach. Republicans and Democrats, all three branches of government work together, and we come up with, it is an estimate, let's be honest, but it's something that's collaborative and uh, tends to be 
uh, a lot more accurate because it's not political. Right. Uh, Comptroller, uh, during this past election, um, you declined to endorse the Democratic Party's nominee, and you took some heat for that. But you said that, in fairness, you said that you needed to remain neutral in the contest because you would have to work with either one of them, whomever is elected. Um, but you took some heat from some of the progressive wing of the party. What do you, what do you say to that? Well, I got a tremendous vote. That's what I say. <laughs> I got 1,620,000 votes, and a lot of those were from progressive members of my party. So I think what you're referring to is that there's, there's some folks that are kind of professional pundits that may have, uh, you know, raised an eyebrow at the fact that I said honestly that I was staying neutral. And... Uh, in that race because of my relationship with governor Hogan and because of the uh, unique nature of the board of public works. And I basically stated that whoever wins the gubernatorial race, I need to be on good terms with. So I'm going to be neutral in the race. I, I guess there was some criticism of that. I didn't notice it. And the voters certainly, certainly didn't notice it. And I, I think it was very much, in keeping with the times and with my uh, political situation, which is pretty, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, as I said, I'm lucky to be the comptroller and focus on fiscal issues and economic trends right. and uh, deal with real issues like tax collection and tax refunds. Um, I don't have to uh, wander through the, uh, the uh, whole panoply of, cultural and social issues that right now are so uh, divisive for people. Yeah, and you, yeah. your job is very explicit. You work with Maryland's finances. You keep finances. us on fiscal footing, and you make sure that the state uh, is, is sound financially. And let's talk about your role on the Board of Public Works. Um, it's an interesting position that you have. And recently, this past Wednesday... It was a three-to-nothing vote um, against something that it was dubbed as the Potomac Pipeline. Um, that was a, uh, a natural gas um, pipeline that would have gone through Hancock, Maryland, up through uh, the Potomac River. Tell us about that vote, Comptroller. Well, that was a major environmental uh, issue for the Sierra Club and other groups around the state. Uh, I'm not a... Uh, Look, I'm, I try to be pragmatic and moderate in my views, but I think they made some good uh, suggestions about why this was a bad idea for the state. And they essentially argued that, look, all the environmental uh, problems that are associated with uh, fossil fuel pipelines are going to be borne by the state of Maryland, and none of the economic benefits of getting natural gas uh, from one place to another is going to accrue to the state. So we get... None of the economic benefits, except a few small construction projects, perhaps. And we get all of the uh, environmental risk, which is considerable out there in Western Maryland, where they have a particularly porous limestone uh, geology, uh, yep. which is filled with fissures and cracks. And so it was a little bit of a, of a uh, unique situation from the geological situation, and but the permit 
request came up to the Board of Public Works, and uh, Governor Hogan and I and Treasurer Cobb voted no on it. We'll just see where it all leads now. I think the company is probably going to sue the state. You know, everybody always sues everybody, I guess. So we'll just see how it all plays out. But it was something that was done uh, in response to a lot of citizen outcry. And uh, I was pleased that it was a unanimous vote. Comptroller, the the party, the Democratic Party in Maryland, seems like that it is somewhat rudderless. Um, and I say that because the Democratic nominee for governor was just defeated, and you are now looked at as one of the prominent leaders of Maryland's Democratic Party. But not only that, you are looked at as uh, a leader. You look like that you're the future. Of, of the state of Maryland. And so I was looking back at the comptrollers who represented us in the last, uh, what, 70 years, and there's only been like five. Um, so, of course, you have a lot to live up to um, as far as tenure for good old Louis Goldstein. Um, but, uh, you know, you had Jay Miller Talls, you had Schaefer, um, and all these guys were. Governor. So here's a logical question, Comptroller. Are you thinking about running for governor in 2022? Well, it depends. And uh, it's very unclear what the uh, situation is politically these days. It's very volatile and turbulent. It goes up, it goes down. Um, But I am very happy being Comptroller. Who wouldn't want to be governor, I suppose? But Uh, having been in the legislature for 20 years and now uh, going into my 13th year as comptroller, I can see the downside of being in that highly visible position just as well as the upside. So I'm flattered by people who say, why don't you run for governor? And my response is uh, it all depends on what uh, is going on three years from now. That's a long time, Ryan. And, uh, um, you know, that's kind of the situation. I am, I am agnostic right now. I've got a phenomenal staff led by Len Foxwell, my chief of staff. Uh, I've heard handles, of him. Uh, <laughs> yes, he is uh, just a tremendous uh, leader, and uh, I think he and I are looking forward to uh, doing what we've been doing over the last uh, 12 years and continuing it and then assessing what uh, we're going to do. You mentioned the Democratic Party. I think it is incredibly vibrant and alive. I'm going to be sworn in on January 28th. We're going to have a number of speakers who are going to talk about the future uh, of the state. Uh, People like uh, Jake Day, the mayor of Salisbury, who I'm a big fan of, Democrat, Julian Ivey, who's a young African-American delegate from uh, Prince George's County, who I think uh, the state should really get to know because he's got so much talent. Uh, Corey McRae, the new senator-elect from Baltimore City, uh, they're all going to come and speak. I think Governor Hogan is going to swear me in. It's going to be up in Baltimore. We're moving out of Annapolis because I think way too much attention is paid to uh, Democratic officials uh, uh, down in Annapolis, we're much better off as a party if we go and and uh, headline our young, effective, uh, successful uh, local uh, politicians and uh, young politicians, particularly, 
uh, and so it's, we're going to have a very future oriented, uh, swearing in. And I think you, uh, hopefully you'll come and, uh, report on it because I think we'll lay out some directions, uh, for the party, much, uh, much like you were just talking about. Um, it is, it is a situation where I think uh, constant reform and, uh, Review is an oversight of the party and the direction it's taking is can only be beneficial for the state of Maryland. Well, God willing, I will most definitely be there. Um, I wouldn't miss it. But I'm and told here's my here's my strategy, Ryan, because you know for the last 12 years I've emphasized that people that show up all over the state of Maryland, Democrats that go out and actually meet with their voters in their districts, but also those that are statewide get around the rest of the state, but that's a good thing. And to the extent we do our job, I mentioned the whole tax collection uh, operation that we have in the state, spend a lot of time testing, retesting. It's important that that, ha- that that go on. And it's important that Democrats be viewed as fiscal moderates because that's the, I think, the temperament uh, of the state. And then I have... You're right, I've gotten a little bit of negative attention for being nonpartisan, uh, but I really believe that, that uh, we should put the Republican-Democratic labels aside and just roll up our sleeves and get the job done. So I'm going to be emphasizing that, uh, but I'm also going to be implementing a brand-new tax system that we've uh, uh, recently got approved at the Board of Public Works. This is a big deal for the state. Uh, I'm going to be focused like a laser on the fiscal outlook uh, because of the economic uh, turbulence. And I'll be urging the uh, political leaders in the state to be very careful and not spend money that may not be recurring. And then, of course, I love a cold beer. Ah, let's talk about Ah, that. That's my favorite topic to talk about in the state of Maryland. I reported on the event the other evening on Thursday at Key Brewing Company. It was one of your reform on tap events, which become go-to events for interested people who want to reform Maryland's craft brewing laws. And there has been nobody in the state of Maryland more pointed, more interested, and more resolved to take on this craft beer industry and to support our individual independent brewers. Let's talk about your craft beer uh, mission, I should say. So let's talk about the legislation you put forth last year. Talk about what happened. And then what do you plan to do this year that is a little bit different from what you did uh, next uh, last year? rather? Well, that's a big subject, and there are a lot of things to cover there. But I did uh, – when I bumped into Governor Hogan the other day, I congratulated him again on his reelection. And I said, you know, it looks like you have four more years like me. He said, four more years? I have four more beers. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't mean, I don't mean to be uh, light with the subject, but we have about 80 family-owned uh, craft brewers in the state of Maryland. They represent $650 million in economic activity. They employ 6,500 Marylanders. Uh, they contribute $230 million in state and local taxes. They're a fantastic economic sector for the future because they're very appealing to young people around the country who are extremely mobile, this millennial generation. They love to partake of locally crafted alcohol products like craft beer. And uh, the legislature, uh, like uh, 
many uh, commercial sectors in Maryland have, over the years, uh, just added barnacle after barnacle of regulatory oversight that generally benefits the big out-of-state beer companies. And uh, it's gotten out of gotten to the point where the craft brewers are saying we would prefer to be in Virginia or Pennsylvania or Delaware or the District of Columbia because regionally Maryland is such a difficult state for us to operate in because the regulations that are passed are thought of thought up by our competitors by the big beer companies they implement them through the distributors and their allies in the state of Maryland who have a lot of relationships in Annapolis and legislature, and you end up with an unfriendly state. And uh, it's gotten to the point where Flying Dog out in uh, yeah. Frederick County, which is yeah. our biggest craft brewer, uh, just canceled a $54 million uh uh, brewery uh, expansion, a $54 right. million dollar project that they were about to break ground on. They they, they uh, said, no, we're not uh, sure about the Maryland legislative and regulatory approach to our sector. Well, what's the problem? The problem is the legislature is constantly getting in the way of uh, the operation of these craft brewers, and they are limiting the ways in which they can produce their product, which is really good beer, and they're limiting ways they can sell their product uh, to consumers. And it, it's not rocket science. It, it's simply an a, uh, area where uh, we need to get in and do some pruning as far as the regulations. That's very uncomfortable for the Annapolis political machine, which is responsible, <laughs> responsive to these beer, uh, big out-of-state beer companies. And last year was a bit of a mess. Uh, we took everybody, got everybody to come down for a big hearing, and uh, it did not go that well. But that's somewhat expected in the first year of a big uh, regulatory reform effort like this. And I'm more optimistic this year that we will get the dozen or so uh, changes that we need to make Maryland not dead last in the region, but number one in the region as far as a, play, a go-to place for uh, craft beer. Comptroller, I know last year when you um, put your bill before the legislature that you champion, um, they voted it down 17 to 4, and then they criticized you uh, and your team, and it was so hostile that they decided to even take a look at the powers of, of the comptroller's office, whether you should even regula- regulate alcohol. Is that what you're talking about when you're referring to the Annapolis machine? Well, it's like any state legislature. Uh, there are Republican legislatures, there are Democratic legislatures around the country. They're all very tightly held, top-down institutions where the special interests have a lot of sway. Maryland's no different from uh, states like Massachusetts and other where others where there's just a tremendous amount of stuff done behind closed doors and smoke-filled back rooms. And uh, I, I, throughout my entire career, have tried to say that uh, I'm unbought and unbossed, and that I am here to serve the taxpayers and serve the voters and residents of the state of Maryland. 
And uh, so, yeah, it's frustrating sometimes with the way they treat uh, something like beer reform. Uh, but I do think that it's uh, malleable, and I think there will be a different approach this time because uh, a lot of the opponents of the craft beer industry lost their jobs in, in the elections, the, either the primary elections or the general elections. And I think there's an awareness that they need to stop the pettiness of uh, trying to I guess, torment me or whatever, uh, that doesn't hurt me at all. I'm the comptroller of the state, but it hurts these small family-owned businesses that really want to locate in Maryland and create jobs and use Maryland agricultural products and hire Marylanders to do their work. And uh, it hurts the business reputation of the state when the craft beer industry says we don't want, we don't feel welcome in the state of Maryland. So I think some good things will happen in this session, and I'm relatively optimistic. And most politicians understand that we need, you know, in order to be successful in politics, you need to add support, not subtract support. And so to the extent the legislature can uh, get itself organized to do the right thing and pass these reforms, we're also adding on a New York law that's been very successful which says, uh, look, if a New York uh, farm brewery or, or a local establishment commits to selling only New York produced beer, they get a big break as far as their licensing uh, fee and their licensing process. And that's a very attractive uh, incentive, I think, to uh, new craft brewers around the country that may be looking at Maryland uh, negatively right now, but would look right. at it positively if we passed a law like that. And so we're putting that law in. Uh, but, you know, it's an interesting issue because the craft beer uh, issue to me is a much broader one because Maryland, frankly, has probably the most burdensome occupational licensing laws in the entire country. <laughs> I know a little bit about unbelievable that. unbelievable what we ask of people that want to get into running a small business. And look, am I in favor of regulation? And you are also, Ryan, I know you are, of basic regulation in different economic sectors to protect the public health and make sure that consumers are not ripped off. Of course. But do we have to really uh, require a painting, painting contractor to have two years of experience and pass an SAT exam in order to uh, go out and do some residential house painting? I mean, there are 25 states in the country that don't have any permit required for house painting. So anyway, I don't mean to get into that. I just think that Maryland needs to get rid of its uh, reputation for being, uh, you know, over, over-regulated, over-licensed, uh, over uh, uh, taxed uh, as far as small businesses by re- demanding these, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in licensing fees for these occupational licenses that absolutely drive small businesses crazy. Well, we're going to be following the the legislation. I'm hoping that the second round that we will get some movement on this. I think it's good. For economic output in Maryland, it makes sense economically. I understand what you're up against in Annapolis um, with the uh, 
the machine, so to speak. I understand that you will probably get pushback again. But as you said the other night, you're ready to go down and do battle, that you're optimistic and you're hopeful that this time around the changes that you've made in the legislation uh, will be palatable to uh, the legislators. So as, as we wrap up, um, Ryan. Ryan, yes, sir. Can I just tie a ribbon around this beer issue? It is much bigger than the just the craft beer issue. It's an issue about the state's business reputation and whether we're open to new businesses and new uh, ideas that people might have around the country and they want to come to Maryland and open a business and, yes, make money, uh, serve the uh, public and uh, Obviously, they want to abide by basic health and safety things, but they don't need some kind of regulatory uh, uh, suit of armor put on that is expensive and costly and requires them to go to school, this and that and the other thing. I mean, it's just in almost every sector of the state's economy, we have the equivalent of what we have here as far as craft beer. Uh, problems. So uh, it's a big issue. I, I would love to have your listeners uh, join in, and I think we can uh, clearly uh, cut out some of the brush and brambles that stand in the way of economic growth for the state of Maryland and prevent the state from realizing its full potential. So anyway, I don't mean to get into that. It's probably in poet to your poor listeners, but uh, Thank you for letting me be on for a while. And once again, thank you uh, for the honesty and the candor uh, and the, uh, I don't want to say niceness of your uh, reporting, but, you know, you're, you're open to new ideas. Well, I think I'm fair, and we, I try to do um, my absolute best in getting out the other side of the story. So, uh, we're going to keep doing that, and I'm sure I'm going to be seeing you a lot. And tomorrow, I want to make sure that if people who are listening, they know you're having an event tomorrow in my most favorite Italian restaurant in Baltimore City's Little Italy, Sabatino's. What's that all about, Comptroller? Uh, 6 to 8 p.m. at Sabatino's tomorrow night, Monday the 7th. It's going to be a small gathering to have a conversation with some of my supporters about the future of the state of Maryland. And, uh, yeah, everybody is welcome. And I couldn't be happier to be having it in the great city of Baltimore, one of my favorite uh, places to go to. And the heart, soul, backbone of the state's economy, culture, history, uh, so I'm happy to uh, have a small event up there in uh, Little Italy. And, yeah, feel free, anybody who's listening and wants to come down and have some good food. And I promise to uh, speak only briefly. <laughs> Comptroller Francho, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation. And uh, it's going to be an exciting session. And uh, I always appreciate your flexibility and willingness to, to have this conversation. All the best. Take care, and my best to your listeners. All right. Thank you, Comptroller. Have a great night. All righty. That was Maryland Comptroller Peter Francho, who, as you heard, has some ideas about reforming our craft beer industry. I'm smiling because it's one of my favorite subjects uh, to talk about. It's, it goes to the heart of 
the kind of state that we want to be. And he's taken on some tough fights and he hasn't, and sometimes he's upset some people in the course of that, especially last session. Um, Some legislators were um, griping at him about uh, the way that he approached it. But in order to upset the political apple cart, sometimes you have to press hard and that's, you can be the judge of that. You can be the judge of the economic output that it would bring Marylanders uh, reforming our craft beer laws, which is something he takes on. But more so than that, the office of the comptroller has a massive responsibility. And if I do say so myself, their staff is hard at work um, all over the state and they have some terrific staff members. They're responsive. They go out and they actually meet Marylanders, real Marylanders, uh, and they have amazing events and they do uh, they do impact the way that our state does business and collects taxes. And as the comptroller said, it's probably not easy being the state's tax collector. Nobody wants to pay taxes, but we have to. I mean, that's just part of living in a civil society. We have to pay our taxes and some people may call it patriotic, but it's part of our social contract that if we want to live in a safe and productive society that we all have to chip in. And it's his responsibility in Maryland to make sure that the books look good. So I really appreciate you listening tonight. Um, Please consider if you are interested in learning more about Comptroller Francho to visit him in Baltimore city tomorrow night at Sabatino's, which again is one of the best Italian restaurants. I'm not kidding. And I'm half Italian. My mother's side is half Italian and I love Italian food, so please consider um, going to Little Italy in the very least, if not tomorrow night, but checking out some of those delicious restaurants. My name is Ryan Miner. You are listening to a Minor Detail podcast. You can find me on the web at a minordetail.com. That's my digital news website where you can follow us to follow the latest and breaking news in the state of Maryland. And As I'm constructing my new website, it will soon be ready, but we do have another website for a Minor Detail podcast. It is a aminordetailpodcast.com. Please go on to iTunes, go on to Stitcher, tune in radio, but mostly go to any podcast application, rate the show. Don't give me too bad ratings, please, but rank the show, rate it, let me know how I'm doing. Uh, Send me an email at ryan at aminordetail.com for any feedback. I am typically live every Sunday night. I will be live this Wednesday from Chesapeake Brewing Company in Annapolis, and I will be covering Annapolis Session every Thursday at Harry Brown's. We've got a great partnership we formed with them. Again, thank you so much for listening, and have a safe, happy, and productive week.